0: Good morning, Waypoint. We are so excited you've joined us for worship today.
1: Never to forsake. What you begin, you will sustain. And this we know. This we know. That I will call upon the Lord, for He alone is strong enough to save. Right. Your shackles are no more. For Jesus Christ has broken every chain. All of the heavens and the earth announce the fullness of your word. This we know we know come on and every this enemy will flee As we declare your victory. your victory and this we know and this we know Rise, your shackles are no more For Jesus Christ has broken every chain I will call upon the Lord For He alone is strong enough to save Rise, your shackles are no more for Jesus Christ has broken Jesus' name above every other. Oh, hail the power of Jesus. Declare that this morning, guys. Jesus. shackles are no more for Jesus Christ has broken every chain I will call upon the Lord for he alone is strong enough to save your shackles are no more for Jesus Christ as I look to love that's unfairly I look to grace that is all I need Oh call, call upon the name Of Jesus Christ The only name that saves For there is no There's no one like our God. There's nothing that can stand against you. There's no stronghold you can't break. No life that you can't save. Our God, you never fail. shine through the darkness. Your word will calm every crashing wave. My hope it lies in your promise. My faith that stands on the empty grave. Oh. Christ, the only name that saves, for there is no one like our God, there's no one like our God, there's nothing that can stand against you, there's no strongholds you can't break, no life that you can't. Nothing that can stand against you there. No strongholds you can't break, no life that you can't say. I got you never fail. Strong through every trial. abounding my soul that their eyes up. Are... I lift my eyes up. I lift my eyes up. My help comes from.
0: From you. Lord, in trials that we may face, maybe in our marriage and relationships, with friends, with family, uh, through ups and downs, God, you're, you're not delaying. Our refuge is in you. You'll always come through, Jesus. We'll call upon your name. There's no one like you, God. You're strong through every trial and you're faithful through the night. God, you'll never fail. You're the anchor through the flood. You keep holding on. We know you'll never fail, Jesus. Bless Blair as he comes up. Lord, speak through him. Use him as a vessel that he is, God. And be in this room, Holy Spirit. Jr. Pray, Jesus. Amen.
2: I'm good now. I normally remember to turn it on, but I'm old. Over the last four weeks, I've been sharing stuff with you that I wish that I had known when I got married. I didn't, and we made lots of messes. Uh, God was faithful to us and began to reveal some of these things over time, and, and we were able to start making some adjustments. And we made those adjustments that started to repair a lot of damage that we had done in our relationship. And I'm convinced that some of the tools that I've been giving you can allow you to do one of two things. It can allow you to strengthen the relationship that you have. It it can allow you to repair the relationship that you have. If, If you want to repair a relationship that feels broken, it will take two people working hard at it. And often what happens is when two people need to do the work, They worry about each other doing the work. And and if you want to repair things, you've got to focus in on what you've got to do to take the right steps, to make the right adjustments to make that relationship whole. You might be wondering, Blair, I don't know. I don't know if this thing can be put back together. We've made a lot of mistakes. What if you've made all of the mistakes? Uh, Tracy and I have friends. You don't know them. They don't live in Indiana. They don't live in Michigan. I'm just telling you that so you don't waste your time trying to figure out who they are. I just want you to um, just listen to the story that unfolds in their lives. Um, They've been married for a long time. They're friends of ours. And they have violated in the early part of their marriage, the first 10, 15 years, everything that we've talked about over the last four weeks. They didn't respect each other as equals. They invited the White Walkers into their relationship on a consistent basis and stored up great vaults of contempt for each other. They didn't talk it out, and so they acted it out instead, and that went as far as even an affair showing up in the relationship because the problems weren't being discussed, and so it comes out somehow, and it came out in a really destructive way. They didn't take responsibility for the wrong that they brought in, and they didn't take responsibility for their responses to the wrongs that were brought into that relationship. And we just sat back and watched this thing. We felt kind of helpless. and You are like, why didn't you get involved? They went to counselors, but they would go to a counselor until the counselor would say something they didn't like to hear, and then they wouldn't go back to them. They would go looking for somebody else. So many times they went to a counselor once, Because the counselor pretty quickly saw that there were problems and started kind of telling them, hey, there's some things you need to pay attention to. And they're like, we're out. See, I was always convinced that they could repair that relationship. But it would take two people working hard to do that. And although Tracy and I didn't have a lot of the right ideas And we were making as many mistakes as they were. We were storing up all kinds of contempt, all kinds of problems in our relationship too. We made one decision that was right. We decided that we would work at this thing. That maybe 10 years from now it could be good, maybe 25 years from now it could be great. But we were going to do the hard work and see if we could get somewhere of value. You could hear points along the path where they had chosen to do some work. They had gone to classes together. They had started to figure out when the thing would go bad and we're not spending time with each other or we're too busy. And they they had done the hard work. And it's going to continue to be some work. Now, if you do the work to strengthen your relationship, that's going to be good. But you can also wait until it hits the ropes. It's harder when it does that. But even after it hits the ropes, if you decide, both of you decide to work at it, something great can happen. So this couple that we know, about 18 months ago, they've they've years of pent up, horrible kind of stuff that they've done to each other. They decide that they're going to repair their relationship, and and some stuff changes they actually go to a counselor and they stay. They start accepting responsibility for the wrongs that they'd done. They start accepting responsibility for the responses that they had in that relationship. And they started doing the hard work. Now, after all of that time, you would expect that it's not going to be easy to turn. You've spent years getting this thing going in one direction. It's like a an ocean liner, and you decide to turn that, it's going to be a long process. But a year in, and things were going well. They were starting to communicate to each other again. They were, they were doing the work. And then this summer rolled around, and they started hitting some bumps, which, again, you would expect if you've had years of habit, that you're going to expect some bumps along the journey but as they started kind of telling us what some of the bumps were, we, we got uncomfortable because these were, these were bumps that they hadn't had in a significant way in their relationship before. One of them was that I think it had led to a lot of problems, but the other two were different, and, and they were serious. And, and as the summer unfolded, those two things got worse and worse, and the third one just never showed up. And two weeks ago, we got a text from one of the one of the people that said, "I filed for divorce. I'm letting them know Friday. I'm signing it a week later. We're gonna tell the kids I'm done. I can't do this anymore." I can tell you, um, looking at that situation. It would have made a ton of sense to me if any time in the past 15 years, when all the scars and marks were being left on each other, that any one of them would have said, I'm done. That would have made tons of sense to me. But they had made a choice to repair things, and they had started to do the work. And they were working hard. And they were seeing progress. And both of them had communicated about how things were starting to change. But as Tracy and I talked, we could recognize three things that they had taken their eyes off of that were so important that it kind of didn't matter that they were doing all of this work. Because they took their eye off of three really big things, it nullified all of their work in one summer. Just shot it. And they ended up where they were at now we've been doing a series called Game of Thrones his versus her and we've been trying to figure out what it would take for it to be him and her not his versus her and so we've been looking at some um, different tools that you could put in your bag and we've been using the Game of Thrones we've been using kind of key phrases out of that series not endorsing it but it's so much in the culture we thought man if you hear those maybe you'll think of what we've talked about instead, that would be great. White Walkers is out there. Winter is coming. Um, the Iron Throne, all of that kind of stuff is in our culture right now. But we've kind of run out of um, <laughs> Game of Thrones material. There's a phrase that they use, brace yourselves, that, um, in the series that probably will never become super popular, but that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about these three things that you should use to brace your relationship. In fact, I'm convinced, this is how strongly I feel about it, you could do all of the hard work in all of these other areas that we talked about, and if you miss these three things, all of that hard work could be worthless. I think it will be worthless. I've watched it over and over. We just watched it again with close friends of ours who didn't pay attention to these three things. So that's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about three big ideas that have to be in place for when you do the hard work for it to pay off. Okay? So let's start with number one. Number one is just this simple. You need to offer real forgiveness to each other. We've been spending a lot of time in Ephesians chapter 5 because Paul uses marriage as an illustration for what sacrificial love is. He's talking to the church about being a community that has sacrificial love, and so he uses marriage as that example. And so in in Ephesians chapter 5, he highlights that, and we've gone there and said, listen, these are the keys. He kind of talks about them. But before that, in Ephesians chapter 4 and in verses 1 through uh, 20, in chapter 5, he's giving a lot of great advice And one of those pieces of advice happens in verse 32. It's the last verse of chapter 4, and it says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, which makes a ton of sense. If you've married somebody different than you, and it's going to be hard and difficult at times, if you're not kind and compassionate to them, if you can't offer forgiveness to them, the relationship is going to be in trouble. But I want you to see where the bar gets set for this, this is where it gets rough. This is the last part of the verse. As in Christ, God forgave you. See, it looks like what Paul's suggesting here is that we have the capability to forgive like God does. And for a lot of us, we hear that and we're like, man, I don't know. Now, I, I probably could do a whole series on this subject, and we don't have time to do that. I'm just, I'm just going to pick up this little piece and try to give you some insight on it with how God views forgiveness, and then see if you can operate your forgiveness the way God chooses to do it. In Isaiah chapter 46, verse 25, God's speaking. He's being quoted here, and this is what he says about this idea of forgiveness. I... Even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Wow, that's amazing. We've got to come back to that. That's pretty incredible if you think about it. But this is how the verse ends. And remembers your sins no more. Even I remembers your sins no more. Now, a lot of people have read this verse and other verses And what they have concluded is that what this means is that God forgets your sins. Like when you do something wrong against God, it leaves his mind and he never is able to remember it again. He forgets it. And then we think about us. And we think about the wrongs that have been done to us, the hurts that people have done. And what's the chance that you're going to forget that? not going to happen it's not going to happen and so when you start asking me to forgive like god forgives i look at that and i think it's not even possible i'm off the hook because i'm going to remember this i i can't forget this but the, the scripture doesn't say that god forgets it says that he remembers your sin no more He chooses not to nurse that thing. He chooses not to feed that thought. He chooses not to bring that back up into the relationship to do harm. He's making a choice not to make it a focus that he has. And did you see why he made that choice? It's kind of incredible. He says, he blots out your transgressions for my own sake. <laughs> why? Why? Because he doesn't want that to cloud up his character. Do you know why we have such a hard time really honestly offering forgiveness? And it's kind of weird. We have, we we have a hard time offering forgiveness to people who have really hurt us. And often our spouses are so close to us, they leave deep marks and to offer them forgiveness just seems like the impossible to do. I can't forget it. And you don't want to forget it. Because you're afraid that if you forgive them, the consequences will go away. And they won't experience any. You think that I've got to be mad and take it out on them for them to fully feel the consequences for what they've done wrong. But here's the truth. When God forgives, were there not still consequences in place? Did Jesus still not have to die? See, the consequences are still there no matter what. The consequences are still uh, a harmed relationship that have to be repaired. It's still guilt on that person's part. All of that is still have to be repaired. That has nothing to do with your choosing to give forgiveness. In fact, if you understand the primary the primary reason you would give forgiveness is to be like God in that you do it to clean out your own soul. You do it to remove angerness from you so it doesn't shape the way you are. You do it to remove bitterness out of you. You do it to remove a sense of entitlement. What do I mean by that? Do you know how many couples that I've talked to? where somebody did something horribly wrong. Let's use a big one. Somebody somebody had an affair, and the other person was so angry about that, they, they would say stuff like this. I should go have an affair to make them pay. I'm entitled to this, was the thinking that they had. I'm entitled to hurt them back the way they hurt me. And that comes from a sense of I can't, forgive you because you might be off the hook and it misses that I've gotta clean up my own soul in this because if I'm not careful I will drag this through the mud this couple that we know they had made it a year into their turnaround story and things were going well and then this summer One of of the people in that relationship decided to reach all the way back, like into ancient history, and drag all of that stuff forward again. And the one person was saying, I don't know what I have to do. I don't know what I have to do to put it in the past. It feels like this relationship will have this as a centerpiece of our conversations for the rest of my life, and I'm not sure I want to live that way. I'm not sure I can live that way. And the anger and contempt were just being unloaded again. Now, this gets complicated. See, what can happen is we can, we can repeat our action over and over and over again and just demand forgiveness. And what we don't understand is when you string together your actions, it is one. It's One. And so if you're a repeater, like you keep repeat hurting, you have got to stop. You've got to stop if that relationship's going to have any chance of healing. But here's the bad news for you, if you have to be on the forgiving side of that. When they stop, your forgiveness has to go back and cover the whole string of things. And if you don't, you'll drag that into the relationship and... Harm this thing, and it will harm you at your core as well. And this is what started happening. And we wondered, man, what's going to happen when you can't ever live past your failures? What's going to happen when they, when they continue to live and dwell, remember the past? God says, listen, I want more from you from that. I want you to forgive, like as in Christ, I forgave you. That's a hard thing. But yet, you could do the hard work. The second thing, the second um, idea um, comes out of Psalm 39. we talked about this a little bit, in that God makes two people who are really different and then joins them together. And, uh, and we talked uh, last week about how God made people fearfully and wonderfully made, had intention with this. And in verse 16 of that same chapter of 139, it says God looks at the womb and thinks this as he's knitting together this being, he's knitting together you as he's knit together the person that you're with, says this, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What, what's being communicated here is that God had a purpose for how he put that person together. He knit them together on purpose, with a purpose. He looked forward and said, L- these are the things that they could do with their life because of how I've put them together. This is a gift I've given to them and to the world. Why why do you think God hates sin so much? See, one of the reasons that I think we just don't understand, one of the reasons God hates sin, when when some crazy terrorist breaks out a window in a skyscraper and rains down bullets on a group of people, one of the reasons God hates sin, that kind of evil is because people are robbed of the purpose that God always had for them. God had in mind that they would touch the world in a certain way, and when their lives are taken away by something that's evil and wrong, he hates it. Which which makes you think, well then why doesn't he stop it? Why didn't he show up and do something about that? Because he gave us our freedom. He gave us our freedom to do that sort of thing. And it breaks his heart when we use it wrong. But we've all used it wrong in some way. We've used this freedom to choose to follow after God's ways or not in unhealthy ways. And when we do that, we leave marks. But but here's the thing. God places these purposes that he wants for you to accomplish at the core of who you are, and sometimes those are stirred. And you feel a sense of, I care about this, but I don't know why. And when you start to do it, it gives you a sense of fulfillment. And it's different for different people. What what is there? That's God's hand on your life that has placed something in you to do that's bigger than you. causes your heart to swell when you do that. Let me ask you a really important question. Do you know the purpose that your spouse has? Do you know the dreams that God's placed in them to want to accomplish? Maybe it's a role. Maybe it's a certain character that they want to develop right now. Maybe it's a specific job that they want to have but there's something there that God placed in them. He did this a long time ago in the womb. He had a purpose for them. Do you know their purpose? Because God when he put you together with somebody who's really different than you, one of the things that he had in mind was that you would come alongside that person and you would help them fully become who God had created them to be. You get to do that. It's a huge it's a huge part of your purpose but I don't know how many people that I've talked to that know the dreams of their friends and have no idea the dreams of their spouse none don't know what God has placed in them to care about deeply that when they talk about their heart beats a little faster and they care about that sort of thing this summer one of the two uh, in that couple that we know had been uh, messing around with something for a year, had, uh, had kind of a hobby on the side. And it gave them a lot of fulfillment. And this summer, it turned um, from a little hobby into a small business. And, and because um, God had kind of put a flutter in their heart about that, the small business took off. I mean, they, had, they had a lot of passion about it, and it took off. And the year leading up to this, they had had, they'd had another hobby that they had done that the other spouse refused to take part of, and they had now started to go and be a part of that, and we are like, this is good. This is good. They're starting to actually join in each other's purposes. But this business started, and instead of coming to the support the other spouse decided that it was a waste of time, a waste of energy. It was an energy draw from the family. And not only did they not support it, they started to do stuff that would help it fail. Now, Now listen, how long do you think a relationship can survive? If somebody has found something that finally gives them a sense of fulfillment, a sense of purpose, I'm convinced is placed there by God as drivers in us. And the person who's closest to you tries to help you fail at that. And yet this is the kind of stuff that happens in our lives. They were upset. The reason they didn't support it is they thought it was costing the family too much. Can, Can I just tell you, I'm convinced... You can make sacrifices for that kind of stuff. Um, Tracy didn't go to school when she was younger, didn't go to college. And so when she got into her 40s, we realized that some of the things that she wanted to do, she would have to go back to school for. And so she made some sacrifices to go back to school full time. It was rough on her. It was rough on our family. It was rough on our relationship. And we knew it, and we made choices so that we could support her energy to go and do that. Because we knew it was going to be a sacrifice, we both both made the decision of how we would work this out and accept that sacrifice to get her closer to this dream that she had. This, This idea that I'm going to have this passionate dream that you have to come alongside and support. That's not what I'm talking about. You don't get to choose whatever and then demand the other spouse supports it. There is mutual submission. There's sacrificial love. There's respect that has to go along with this sort of thing. But I'm just, I'm just telling you, God has made somebody fearfully and wonderfully, and he crafted them with their days in mind of what they could accomplish, what they could do to touch the world. And you get to help with that or you get to frustrate that. And I'm convinced if you're willing to set yourself up against that, you, you could blindside your whole relationship because the person now is convinced that you really don't understand me, you don't know me, and you really don't care about who I am. Do you know the dreams of your spouse three I've saved this one for last because I think it's the most important I think this was a this was a mistake they made over a long period of time and I thought I thought maybe when they went to the counselor they were going to get this corrected I I I don't know why Going to a counselor has such a stigma in our culture. It Honestly, it makes no sense to me. You'll go to a doctor if you are feeling sick because you want to feel healthy. And if your relationship's not healthy, it would make sense to me that you would want to go and talk to somebody who would put you on some steps that could help with that. Tracy and I have gone at times. Our relationship wasn't in trouble, but we had this one thing that we just couldn't figure out together. And we're like, let's go to a counselor. Let's go talk to somebody who might help us figure this stuff out. And so we've, we've gone and done that sort of thing. And I, and I was excited that they had gone to a counselor. But in the process of going to a counselor, and they invited them into their relationship, they missed inviting the most important person into that relationship over the course of all of those years. Not once did we hear where they invited God to be a central part of repairing the stuff that they were doing. Marriage is a covenant. It's a commitment between God and me with how I'll I'll treat her. And it's a commitment between my wife and God by how she'll treat me. And when you invite God into the center of that relationship and you decide, I want to honor God by the way I'm choosing to live, It affects how he comforts, convicts, and counsels you for this relationship. Absolutely. And so your desire to honor God shapes that thing. I've I've always loved this verse. Uh, I want to take you to Ecclesiastes um, chapter 12. Uh, This is verse 13. This is at the time. The wisest person that we'd ever known wrote this. Now all has been heard. He's been reviewing life and how to live it and how you get value out of it. I've heard it all. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of mankind. Fear God, keep his commandments, is the whole duty of mankind. But if God's not a part of your relationship to respect If the Spirit of God isn't a part of your relationship that says, you shouldn't have said that, you need to to find a way to fix this. You need to really seek forgiveness for that kind of comment. If that's not there, you'll do what you want, how you want, when you want. And you will cause harm in each other's lives over and over and over again. See, when the Holy Spirit's a part of your relationship, when you've invited God in to be a part of that, the stuff you pray about is how we're going to fix this, how we're going to do this. You, you invite him into the presence of that relationship, and you move forward. And the two of you could be broken. You could have made all the mistakes. But if you invite the great healer, into that relationship, and your intent on honoring God in a way, he can take two broken pieces, and he can bring them together in ways that you could never do on your own. And we watched our friends make a lot of right choices, right? Start to turn the boat, had a year of good work, but because... Honoring God wasn't a part of the equation. There was not a sense that I really need to forgive this person. There wasn't a sense that I have to care about this person that you shaped and placed in my life so that they can achieve who they were always meant to be. None of that was there. And because of it, the relationship withered on the vine, and now it's going to end. If if you're really serious about repairing your relationship, if you're really serious about strengthening your relationship, you will invite God into middle of that relationship. You'll pray about the stuff that matters to each other. You'll find time to have spiritual conversations. You'll give the Holy Spirit access to your heart to shape you, change you, cause your thinking to be different. And because of that, because you've chosen to honor God, you'll be able to honor your vow to this other person. As you think about your choice to invite God into this relationship, I want you to listen to this song.
1: you took my hand, we dove into a mystery. How I wish we could go back to simpler times, before all our scars and all our secrets were in the light. And on this hallowed ground, we've drawn the battle lines. Will we make it through the night? It's gonna take much more than promises this time. Only God can change our minds. Maybe you and I were never meant to be complete. Could we just be broken together? If you could bring your shattered dreams and I'll bring mine, can need still be spoken and save us? The only way we'll last forever is broken together. been so lonely by my side, we were building kingdoms and chasing dreams and left love behind, I'm praying God will help our broken hearts alive, and we won't give up the fight. It's gonna take much more than promises this time. God can change our minds. Maybe you and I were never meant to be complete. Could we just be broken together? If you could bring your shattered dreams and I'll bring mine, healing still be spoken and say broken together
0: you guys would stand to your feet as we go into our last worship song.
1: and mistakes Come today There's no reason to wait Jesus is calling Trade your sorrows and trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling blood of Jesus Christ He is Lord of all.
0: come to you as broken people or looking for someone to make us whole in relationships that feel overwhelming at times we thank you so much for your willingness to dive in deep with us I want to get down and, and dirty in the things that um, a king shouldn't have to do but you do for strength Um, and times when relationships are hard God help us to lean on you